Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Jeremy Toms, host of the Big Law Capitals podcast. It's good to see you. Good to have you in. Thanks for stopping by. Today's episode is a really exciting episode. We actually have Matt Graves back on the episode. That is my business partner uh, with New Homes Capital Management and also one of, one of my best friends. Um, I wanted to have him back on the show because I wanted to talk to you about the act of running comps. So if you've never heard of it before, market comparables, it is how you figure out what a property, a single family property is actually worth. And so I wanted to have him back on because he is fantastic at running comps. Running comps is a skill. And I think the tips and strategies we sort of implement in our business and we, that we talk about today on today's episode is they're, they're vitally important. And so I wanted to make sure he came on and we had that chat because for anybody out there who's looking at you know, investing on their own or, you know, buying a flip or buying a rental or they're investing in somebody else and they just want to make sure they're doing the math the right way. I wanted to make sure you knew what to look for and what to do and what not to do. So jump in today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. I had a lot of fun doing it. We get into some family stuff as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, and also you can hear about how we actually used the strategies we talked about on this episode to uh, generate $115,000 on one of our uh, our flips uh, from last year, actually. So, uh, great episode, great, great content. Um, I'm ready to dive in. Let's bring in Matt. Let's go. All right, and we're in there. Guys, we have Matt back on the show. Matt, welcome back, man. A thousand, a thousand thank yous for jumping on with me. Uh, how's it going, man? Uh, you know, it's going all right. Um, uh, the other night, I, I had to watch my abysmal bears um you know really oh. kind of take one in the chin uh from the packers like <laughs> they do every year year in and year out so i'm um, dealing with that but still representing here and uh hoping that justin field is uh actually what he what i kind of thought he was coming out of college so um so <laughs> i'm hoping we can actually steer this thing in the right direction so so for the uh for the audience's uh um edification so uh so uh, so matt is actually wearing a bear's hat right now. And I wasn't going to bring it up because I'm a friend and I wouldn't do that. But, you know, since you brought it up, man, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I was, I was feeling for you. It's a tough game. It's a tough game. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, well, Hey man, I wanted to jump, I wanted to bring you back on. So, uh, earlier today we were talking about any number of things that we do, you know, with new homes, right? Like we're building a ton of homes and we're, you know, developing this luxury, uh, townhome development, uh, you know, all of our rentals and all this stuff. And we were talking about, uh, a couple of the updated um, values of the properties we're currently building uh, around the Charlotte area. And it got me thinking, and I have this conversation a lot. And I think we actually have this conversation a lot with other people is people really tend to not understand how you go about figuring out what a property is worth, right? So we call it the ARV or like the after repair value. That is an important <clears throat> number for us because the overall scope of a deal you can't really figure out if it's a good deal or not if you don't know what the property is going to be worth after you've done your, you know, your business plan. And so I wanted to have you on because uh, from the moment we've met and as we've been in business together, I found you're one of the, uh, the better minds when it comes to valuing properties, right? Uh, whether that's a flip, whether that's um, a rental property, um, or whether that's even an, an apartment building. And I'll make a quick side note for the audience. So we're not going to dive into... Um, the value valuation of commercial property today, because that's a bigger topic, bigger scope, and it, it covers a lot more than I think we can probably get in like, you know, this episode. So that's, 
that's for another day. For today's episode, we're really just going to focus on single family value, right? So like, how do you figure out what a property is worth? And so I wanted to have Matt on. Matt, I wanted to kind of chat with you. When somebody is going into a neighborhood, right? Like they're, they're excited about investing in real estate and they're like, okay, I want to go buy a property. What would you tell them when it comes to comps? Like explain the, the concept of, of comps. So, uh, yeah, comps uh, for people who aren't really in the, the world of real estate uh, are essentially sold houses uh, in the same general area as the property that you're looking at um, that kind of generally fit the same kind of description of the subject property that you're looking at as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, most of the time to kind of give a, a, a general idea of what I look for when we look at comps, um, it's really, you know, something, you know, Ideally, you know, it all depends also like where you're at, but like how many sales are going on in the area. I mean, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, you know, there's a ton of sales. So it's really easy uh, to determine, you know, for me to determine a value of a property because there's there's always just a ton of sales in the neighborhood. Um, so ideally, you stick to the same neighborhood that you're in because um, a lot of these things are really hyper local, uh, localized, you know, with with certain neighborhoods, you know, even I mean, you can even get down to the streets, you know, one street versus the next street. So uh, I like to stick in the same same neighborhood. Um, and then you're you're going off of your square footage uh, that your property is bedrooms, bathrooms, um, you're trying to basically get the same uh, sold homes as 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 the subject property in the same kind of general like 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 talking about like bedrooms bathrooms square footage um style of house maybe it comes down to like you know um ranch versus two-story versus split level all that stuff comes into play so um you can really get into the weeds so so what what factors in like so when you're um so like, say we're looking at a deal, say in your neighborhood, right? Uh, in Dilworth and, you know, you find a house, it's a three to, you know, 1200 square feet, whatever price point, right? But what's, when you're looking at, at say like a comparable with, right? When I say comps, I, I mean, market comparables. So, uh, you know, other homes that have sold, I think an important tip on that is when they sold, right? So, um, what would you say? Like, if you have a house you're looking at and you look, you're looking at comps in the area, how far back should I go before I stop and say, like, okay, you know, sales after X date no longer matter for my, my value purpose? Uh, what, what would you say to that? Uh, yeah, so normally, I mean, I have my kind of preset on, on my MLS. Um, and for, for those of you who don't know, MLS is just kind of the, the standard um, uh, program for, for realtors to kind of use to kind of you know, put on listings and, and that's just where we view, you know, all the, all the new um, sales and, and comps and data and all that stuff that comes on the market. Um, but anyways, I have mine preset at six months um, is usually kind of what you ideally would want. Um, you, you could go back to about, go back about a year. Um, and uh, anything past that is normally um, not ideal because um, the market just changes so much throughout that process. I mean, specifically nowadays, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, right. I think I would, I would, at this point, I would be looking, you know, in the past, like three months, as opposed to, you know, six months, just yeah. to try to kind of feel out, you know, where no, we're that's at. a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. Because I think uh, we've seen recently, um, just with the rate hikes, and you know, what it's doing to the to sort of the the um, how far the dollar can go, right for the house. 
And, you know, a lot of people, they don't buy for price necessarily. They buy for, uh, you know, monthly payment. And so, I mean, I've definitely seen, you know, a shift in pricing, not so much in in, in the markets we focus on, like in Charlotte specifically. I think that we've seen a little bit there, but more so in the, I would call like the softer markets, right? The markets that tend to be, you know, um, not the highly appreciating markets, even those those markets have seen, you know, somewhat of a, a decrease. I think the markets that have, you know, not a ton of volatility, they're kind of hanging out there. I've seen a lot more price decreases, especially here in Pittsburgh. I've seen, you know, across the board, I, th- I feel like it's a really good time to be a buyer, right? It doesn't feel that way yet to a lot of people, but from an investor standpoint, I, I mean, you know how this goes, but um, when we're looking at properties and I can see, it's almost like a, it sounds bad, but it's almost like a shark and, you know, I can smell blood in the water. Like I can sort of see if like, okay, your property, before it was going, you know, five days on market and it was out of there. Somebody was buying it, you know, it was under contract. Now it's like, okay, it's been 10, 11, 12 days. Sellers start getting nervous and, you know, pricing starts to kind of get softer. And then, you know, then you start seeing price decreases and that's when I'm just diving in. I'm just like, all right, there's one. Um, and so I've, I've so definitely noticed that. So that's a good point to bring up the, the fact that, you know, right now it probably makes more sense to look at the last three months and see what they've been doing. For the most part, it's probably going to be right around where the pricing, you know, has been. But in some cases, I think it's gone down a bit. So that, that was a real good point. Um, so when you're looking at comps and let's do, let's kind of give a, an example of, of something we've done. So uh, we had a, we had a flip over in uh, the Dilworth neighborhood where you are uh, in Charlotte uh, that went super well last year. And one of the things we did was when we first bought that, which it, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we bought that in 2020. Is that right? And then sold it 2021. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we bought right at the end of the year there. Yeah. So, um, and so what was cool about that, and I'll let you dive into the specifics of like the the overall property, but um, the strategy we used was it, again it a simple fix and flip, but it's all about seeing value in places that other people might not, right, or other investors might not. And so we saw this property had a smaller-ish footprint, um, but in a really good neighborhood. And it was sort of the ugliest house in the street. And from there, we knew like, okay, there's an opportunity. So I'll let you dive into the uh, specifics as far as like size and like what the plan was in order to make it match up with the comps we needed it to, to get the price point we wanted. So I'll let you dive in a bit. Yeah. So, uh, that's, so the house we ended up purchasing, it was about 1300 square foot, um, when we, mm-hmm. when we purchased it. And, um, uh, just a little side note, this is, uh, we got this property actually through a neighbor um, that actually was um, actually our, our stager that we actually use for staging all of our flipped houses uh, before we sell and put them on the market. Um, she kind of, you know, she knows what we do. Uh, she kind of put us in touch um, and knew that uh, he was about to sell. And so luckily we got it off market, um, which is it's just fantastic to be able to slide in before somebody goes in the market. That's the way you want to do it. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be going up against, you know, other buyers in, in such a, a hot market, which was at that time was, was really hot. And so um, we really lucked out with that. Um, and so we got in there, uh, uh, got the property under contract, um, bought it. So it was a 1300 square foot house. Um, so her house, the, the stager was actually right next door. And uh, they had completely renovated their house. Her husband's a, a GC, and um, they've they actually do the kind of same model that I actually do. Um, they 
they do live in flips. And I think they are, they're up to like five or six of them now at this point. Um, you know, stay in them for two years, get out tax free. So, um, they've been doing that. They're, they're, they're definitely, uh, hip to the game there. And, uh, so anyways, uh, they, she actually told me that her house actually recently appraised, um, for a certain amount. And so I knew exactly, you know, based on her size, the finishes of her house and, and the level of, of quality that, that her house was, um, that we could do that same thing right next door. And so that was just, you know, being able to have that insight, um, you know, was, was fantastic because there's no better comp than the, the house right next door to where you're building. So, um, so yeah, so we ended up, it was 1300 square feet. We put a 900 square foot addition off the back of the house, added a, a master suite back there. Um, it was, uh, it was, yeah. It, and so we ended up being around 2,100 square feet or so when we were all done and sold for, I think we set a record in the neighborhood on that one, uh, which we yeah, actually I think that was like the 665,000. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we actually tend to do that quite a bit with our flips, um, which is, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so actually, that one was a, a really good one for us. And um, the stager was actually a little upset because we actually sold more uh, for higher than I actually sold for next door because they actually sold <laughs> right before we sold. So, and, and that one, like you said, that one was fantastic because, you know, they had an appraisal done and it was like, boom, here's the answer to the test. Yep. Now just do that. You yeah. know, like it, rarely do you run into that situation, but the, the, the point still remains, you know, when you're looking at comps and you can sort of see like, you know, look nine months ahead and see like, okay, if I can turn my house into that, I should sell for that. Right. Now you have to obviously account for time and, um, you have to account for, you know, being able to do everything that they did. You know, there's certain restrictions that come with different properties. There can be deed restrictions, anything else, you know, footprint restrictions, as far as, you know, the layout of your lot versus another lot. But generally speaking, you know, when you're going to add and going into a neighborhood to find, you know, the ugliest property on the block, uh, in order to, you know, get the most value out of it, what you want to do is essentially find what you hope to be is the twin of that property. So that's what we did in that case. And, and we're doing that consistently. You know, there's um, a lot of really cool strategies that I think we implement um, in a lot of different areas around the, the Charlotte market. I'm thinking about one, uh, Matt, we were talking about earlier today. Uh, it's the one over in Gastonia where we found, you know, it's a large parcel of land. And this has actually happened several times, but this one is particular is in Gastonia, um, North Carolina, where we found a you know larger parcel of land and realized, okay, this is a larger, you know, raw piece of land that if we split it, there's another house down the street that sold for, I believe, around like 275, 285. And that kind of gave us an idea of like, okay, if we can split this lot and essentially create two identical lots that will then each lot will match up with what that lot sold down the street. We essentially take a raw piece of property that was once for one house and turn it into two. And so, you know, from there it becomes like, all right, let's split this lot into two, build two houses, double our money. And it's, it sounds really simple, but again, it's one of those, you have to sort of see opportunity when it presents itself to you. And a lot of times that opportunity is not the same opportunity that other investors are seeing. So it, it's a really cool strategy to use and it's a really cool concept to understand. But I, again, I don't think a lot of people truly understand how comps should work. I mean, we've talked about this previously. I know realtors, some realtors who don't even under, truly understand how con, uh, comps should be um, 
should be calculated, right? Based on you know what's been sold and, and what's going on around them. So another thing that that actually applies to and fits well within the show is rental comps. Uh, when you buy a, a single family rental property and you're going in and you're looking at like, okay, what's the overall yield I can get on this property? This, the, the same idea applies. And so I'll let you kind of dive into, you know, rental comps. And then while we're doing that, I think maybe it makes sense to touch on for a rental, right? Because you're not a rental, you're not flipping this. So you're not going to put, you know, unless the area calls for it, you're not putting luxury finishes into this. So, you know, also while we go into it, so rental comps kind of diving into, you know, focus there, but then also what areas of the rental you should really kind of focus on. And this may also apply a little bit to flips, but more so rentals. I wanted you to kind of dive into like, you know, kitchens, bathrooms, things like that. So um, I'll let you dive in a bit and just like rental comps and then also like where you want to put your money when you're, when you're you know, turning these places around. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for rental comps, um, a lot of the times, you know, when we're looking at these things, you know, we get, we get a, we get a ton of emails from, you know, wholesalers and, and everything uh, every day from uh, new properties coming through it. And usually a, a quick and easy way to kind of uh, give you an idea about, you know, the general <clears throat> rental price that you could get for something is we actually use a, a website called Rentometer. Um, we got a, an account with them and it kind of gives you the quick and dirty about um, the general area. It gives you a, a really good idea about the area and, and kind of some of the rental, other rental comps that have sold um, or, you know, uh, been taken off the market since they've been rented, uh, in that area, uh, for similar, you know, size houses and bedrooms, bathrooms and all that stuff. So, um, that's just kind of a quick and easy way to do it. Um, otherwise, like I said, you're still going through the MLS, um, uh, as well as, uh, other areas, uh, cause when it gets into rentals, sometimes people don't go on the MLS and actually post those things. So, um, when you're looking at it, you know, when we look at it, we, we, we pull from several different, I mean, we pull from Rentometer, we go into Zillow, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, MLS, like all of the above. I and mean, we really try to try to nail that price down of what we can get for the property. And um, so, yeah, so like, like I said, so when we do that, we're looking for, you know, same, same bedroom, bathroom, you know, um, general square, square foot. Um, and uh finishes really come down, you know, and the properties that we're looking at, um, you know, whether or not you've got stainless steel appliances throughout the house or, mm -hmm. you know, um, LVP throughout the house, or is it all carpet, um, you know, countertops, kitchen, all that stuff. And, and like you mentioned, the things that, you know, we really focus on when we're turning some of our, our properties that we want to turn into rentals, um, is, is, is really the kitchens and bathrooms, um, mainly is kind of what we focus on and, and, and really try to just update things as much as possible. We, we normally try to put stainless steel in everything just because um, feel like it gives it that edge over the competition. Um, but really, um, when, like I said, when we look at, at rental comps, we're really trying to uh, not overdo it at the same time because you don't want to spend unnecessarily. Uh, so we're looking at the comps, seeing what they have to offer you know, is it granite countertops? Is it laminate countertops? Is it quartz countertops? You know, is it, you know, it all depends on the market that you're in. And so you really don't want to go above and beyond if you don't have to, uh, to get that, that, that price that you're looking for. Cause you know, people are only going to pay what the market demands. So. Absolutely. And we've, we've run into that on so many different properties where, you know, as much as we want to like go with the, 
you know, the granite countertops, even the slim granite, right? Like not the thick stuff, not the, the heavy duty flip granite, but like, the, you know, just the rental granite the level we're like, well, no, that this place, it calls for laminate, right? Like it, it calls for white appliances. It calls for like, you know, just essentially, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, lipstick on a pig sort of turns versus like, you know, where you need to really kind of dive into the nitty gritty. Um, we use a lot of like luxury vinyl plank flooring in our units just because it holds up to wear and tear a little bit better. So you're not, you're not diving into engineered hardwood on, on rentals, you know? Um, but I think, in some cases you do, right? So, I mean, we, we buy class A properties, class B, class C, and I'll just quickly dive into, when I say class A properties, I mean, just think about your, your higher end rental, right? Like if you were, if you had a family of four and you're, you know, sort of well-to-do, but you're sort of in between places as you're building a new house, or if you're doing anything else and you want to commute to work and you just want a place that's nice, that was in my head, that's what class A is, is sort of, landing you in, right? So you're in a nicer school district, you're in a nicer house. Um, class B, it's headed towards like, you know, workforce housing. It's a nice house, but it's not, you know, there's no luxury. You're not really going above and beyond on in the rental unit. It's not something that's going to kind of blow you away. It's just, it's a nice house and a nice area. Class C, clearly workforce housing. It, it's, you know, the areas can be a little rougher, in some cases, they don't have to be, but they can be uh, lower, you know, lower tier school district. But overall, it's just like, you know, that's it's an affordable place to live is workforce housing. And, and below that, I don't we don't even deal in the class D space. So, I mean, that's not even I don't even go look at those units, but um, <laughs> the class A through C, I think that's that's kind of where we land. And, you know, the the calculus for that, as far as, you know, if we find a unit that needs again, and I can't say this enough. The ugliest house in the block. That's where the value is. Um, and so when we find those units, we want to make sure that the work we're doing in order to get it up to the level of, you know, our comp. That's what we do. Whatever that comp is, we do that and no more. Um, we're not in the game of uh, we're not into into the art, right? We're in, into the science. So the, the art being like over the top, I want to do this and that. I want to make this, you know, special mural in this wall. It's like, no, that's you're wasting money. So don't do that. Just do what the next best comp has and move on. Uh, it's a volume game. So, um, well, man, thanks so much for uh, for diving into that. It's there's so many there's so much nuance in this game uh, that we play, and I call it a game because like it, it feels like a game. We sort of get to play Monopoly for jobs, right? We get to make money on like in real life Monopoly. Um, like we we were even uh, talking recently about the six unit um, townhome development that we were doing over in Lake Norman. And this plays into that. And, it, and it, this heavily plays into that. You know, we're, we're developing this entire, this entirely new um, townhome development over there. And like, in some cases, there aren't fantastic comps. You have to sort of like get really creative with uh, the value of these properties and what you think they will be. And so one of the good points that, um, that you know, we raised earlier on, um, not on this episode, but like more so when we were you know, talking about that deal is the fact that we're talking to local brokers. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get you know you to chime in because I think people never really tend to realize if you talk to an experienced broker like yourself, there's a lot of really good answers you can figure out as far as comps in a particular area, um, rentals and for flips. And so any advice for the people as far as, okay, this is my first rental, my first flip, you know, who should I be speaking to? 
who's going to give me sort of the, the lowdown? Uh, who sh- where should I go for resources or like a particular area to make sure that I'm doing my math right? What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, realtor, yeah, you brought up a good point. I mean, realtors, uh, I mean, this this is their job. I mean, they deal. I mean, it's, it's all, I mean, if you're not good at comps and you're not good at pricing a house, I mean, it, it, I imagine you're really not doing too hot as a realtor. So, um, so yeah, realtor is a really good source. Um, I wanted to also uh, mention, you know, property managers um, is is a really good source as well because I mean they they really deal um, with that on a day in day out basis as well. Um, uh, you know, dealing with other people's properties, they they tend to kind of you know recommend prices, um, and they know you know based upon how many applications they're getting. You know what's a good price point. Um, you know what's low. You know what's high. You know depending on how many applicants you're getting and everything. So, um, so th- both of those are really good resources um, if you're if you're trying to go about you know rent or um, yeah, well yeah rental for property managers and uh, but yeah realtors could handle rent and or uh, sales. So absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, I uh, it's we we've been doing a lot of like behind the scenes, you know math homework, if you will, on, on properties, because we're, we're trying to add one more, uh, luxury Airbnb before the end of the year, uh, trying to take advantage of the, um, 100% bonus depreciation before it goes away this year and 80 next year and 60 the year after that. And it kind of phases out completely towards the end of this decade. And so, uh, that's, we've been diving heavy on the math as far as finding the properties that have sort of the value add, because like Matt, I, I just, I'm not okay with buying property that does that doesn't have some level of an upside, uh, which can be infuriating to those, those we love but at the same time. It's also like, it's so critical and so important, um, to kind of build the balance sheet, build the net worth. And so, um, yeah, we've been diving hard on, on the finding a, uh, you know, a luxury Airbnb. Cause we just, there's just, and Matt, you know, this. I mean, there's a crazy amount of money that pops into our account every month. Um, you know, from the short-term rentals and like, it's just, it's just like so hard not to like want to add more and more of those, you know, intelligently to, to the actual portfolio. So we're, 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 we're working hard to do that. If anybody out there knows of any off-market luxury properties, you know who to call <laughs> one of us. <laughs> um, well, Matt, man, thanks so much, man. How's, uh, how's the family? Everybody good? Yeah, we're, uh, we're good. Um, you know, kids are, are, are doing well. Um, we're, uh, trying to get them right now into a, a school that's nearby. Um, we, our previous school kind of, uh, um, you know, for lack of a better term, screwed us over. Uh, and we, uh, they had us, they said they had a spot for us and then come time about, you know, two weeks beforehand, they said they no longer had a spot for our daughter. So, um, so yeah, I've been dealing with, you know, full-time childcare and, uh, you know, increased workload and, and trying to renovate this side. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's been busy, busy time. So it's, uh, I can't imagine, man. I, I it seriously, it's, I cannot even imagine. I know, uh, for us, I mean, like, you know, we're getting ready for, for number three. Uh, he should be here like any day now. Like I'm just like watching my phone at all times. Yeah. Wait a minute. I haven't even packed a bag yet. <laughs> Honestly, how's, that hasn't happened. How's yet. the wife doing, anyways? Oh, she's miserable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, she. Yeah, it's uh, it, you know, that last like week and a half yeah. is brutal. It's like brutal to watch. Yeah. Um, 
she's a champ, man. She's 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 working through it, but good lord, it is it is tough. Yeah, um, she's ready to go. You guys uh, all number three is just all set up and everything. You got a got the got the uh, crib and everything already, or what? Yeah, man, we ordered the snoo earlier this month. That showed up. So um, the snoo for anybody out there who hasn't had one. So the snoo is essentially like a a, a bassinet that you know, has like uh, white noise and like vib- vibrates and like turns and just like oscillates. So like the, the baby gets the best sleep imaginable. <laughs> if you haven't heard about it, it's fantastic. I'll highly recommend it. They are not a sponsor of the show. But trying to change that. <laughs> trying to change that one day at a time. If you're out there, you know, we got some free plugs for you. So <laughs> giving you all, all types of good PR over here. Um, so yeah, we got that set up. We got the uh, the cameras. The cameras up. Uh, we have three of those now, which is that's what bonkers. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, we just set up the other white noise machine and like as well as the like changing table and all that stuff. So we have everything ready to go except like us. Like yeah, we're not. You know, we're not ready to go. But yeah, oh, we'll, we'll get there. I, we'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. I feel like that's always like the last thing that's ready to go. I mean, we with our two. I mean, we just yeah, we got all that stuff ready to go. Now, granted, we were we were actually living in a live-in flip and we had. Well, I take that back. We were living in a living flip with both of them, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so like we 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 did actually end up like that. That was like a priority to like kind of get the space ready for the kids and everything. Um, each each time we were in the flip, so um, so my wife kind of had that nesting period and, and kind of you know had had everything ready to go. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was always us kind of the last kind of thing to kind of be ready for it because you're never really ready, so. And that's, I think by number three now, we just know, like, we are not in control of anything that happens next. Like, you know, it's all kind of like up to, up to the little ones. So we're just, you know, like I'll throw a t-shirt, you know, some underwear and some socks into a bag and I'll be like, all right, yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah. You know, I can survive for a couple of days. Um, and really it's like Lindsay just making sure she has like what she needs post delivery. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get there. It's, it's, you know. We're in shambles at this moment, just trying to like get it to the finish line. But like, we'll 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 get there for sure. So I'm I'm, um, I'm assuming with that, your uh, your your in laws come down and kind of take the kids, like when when that all goes down or what? Yeah, I think that's the plan. Yeah, I don't know, like it's trying to time it out, right? You know, making sure they can make it down in time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. They'll they'll come down um, when 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 it's go time. And then they'll essentially take over for you know two to three days, depending on what happens when we go to delivery. And then we'll come back and they'll go home. And we'll be like, oh, there's three of you now. <laughs> <laughs> You're officially outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> Zone defense to the max. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, thanks so much, dude. As always, a million, a million thank yous for jumping on uh, to the audience. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, you know, at Jeremy Toms. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Big Law Capitalist. It's been a blast, Matt. Absolute blast having you. Um, and until until next time, everybody. Peace. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. I really, really do appreciate it. Do me a big favor. If you want to be a part of the Big Law Capitalist community to stay up to date with all of our latest episodes, you got to hit that subscribe button. Super important. But I can't thank you enough for joining me this week. 
I'll see you next time. Peace.